0: Nine o'clock. Do you know where your memes are? We at Destroy All Clickbait will guide you through the jungle of cyberspace and point out the poisonous and rash-inducing species of the post-capitalist pixelscape. Uh, I am Adam. With me as always are Ing and Avi, my brain care specialists. Hello. And, Hi. Uh, this week actually was, uh, you know, as as every week is these these days, uh, crazy one for things happening on the on the web uh so which one which one shall we look at first here uh should should we talk about the video first
1: i mean since we all watched it we may as well yeah
0: there was a video which i sort of liked which maybe wasn't huge it was a guy called patrick willems uh doing a video called uh, shut up about plot holes uh which has been i think somewhat
2: needed wouldn't you say um, yeah, it that, feels yeah, like that's a very close to some of our rants from the earlier episodes. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, just of course the the greatest offenders with the uh, with uh, clickbait these days are the uh, people like Cinema Sins and uh, who he calls out by name and everything wrong with videos. And just mm-hmm. um, as he points out in the video, this is the most to me really crucial part of the video. He says. Um, you know, it's become all about cr- quote criticism, movie criticism, or even criticism of other things, but especially movie criticism has become really all about uh, pointing out quote plot holes. And his counter argument is basically plot holes don't really matter. And he says, you know, he identifies some that bother him. I would uh,
2: uh, I would actually correct you. What he said is that, mo- or at least what I got from it, is that most of what people label as plot holes are not.
0: Right. Yeah. Yes.
2: Exactly. Yeah. They're not.
0: Well, he well and, he he does say plot holes don't matter. I mean, or or rather, most of them don't matter. Most uh, of also... the one.
2: Most of the claimed and alleged plot holes don't matter. Right.
1: Yeah, and he further exacerbates that point by basically saying it's because people are watching movies wrong. It's, yes. It's less about watching the film and enjoying the film, mm-hmm. and then maybe saying how they could have. Na- like done the narrative better instead of it being that it's more of what are the 15 million things is everybody doing wrong in the movie that would have fixed all of their problems and thus not have drama. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm also
2: uh, been listening to through the Gravity Falls commentary. Yes. And uh-huh. it That's actually real uh, one thing that it reminded me of that was them talking about that and actually. Uh, Alec Hurst said that he was actually surprised at how forgiving people were of what he perceived as plot holes in Gravity Falls. <laughs> really? Yes, and basically s- established that, but pretty much what this is also saying, if it fits the emotional beats, people will give it a lot more leniency. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, actually, there was a Twitter post by somebody who was basically like, Plot holes don't matter because the emotional narrative is more important. Yeah, right. If people end up feeling something, that's more important than anything in terms of like plot structure in, in most cases. Yeah. Um, that, so that makes a lot of sense.
2: That said, I also did like Alice Hurt said that blatantly their uh, strategy, if they ever realized that they were uh, had written themselves into a quarter or something, was to do it anyway and then call attention to it.
1: Oh, yeah, they definitely did that a lot. So the pretty much (laughs) idea is
2: if somebody does something that actually had a very obvious solution, then they missed. The example they gave was basically uh, a mermaid is drowning on land. So a uh-huh. character uh, takes like a big drink of water and gives him reverse CPR to breathe water into his lungs. <laughs> yeah. The problem <laughs> yeah. was that they were right by the lake that he they then right. right push him into, and when they revive him he says, Thank you for saving my life, but why didn't you just push me into the lake and then the character just face pops realizing this? Yeah. <laughs> and from the and that seemed just like a joke, but from the commentary that was an actual Oh yeah, that's a plot hole that we realize, but it's basically left in because right. we're because it's much funnier now that we do it anyway, but uh, make a right. joke out of it.
0: Well, but but yeah. th- but th- the thing is, the idea of doing. He, he, there, there are two reasons that's okay. One is there are a bunch of kids, they're panicking. That makes total sense that they would just yeah. not think it through. Because how do you think it through when you're in such a weird situation as that, right?
1: And the other thing Yeah, the twins are like 11. Uh, yeah,
0: and I mean, <laughs> to, to me, if I'm giving someone CPR, I don't think of putting them in the water, right? You know, like it's counterintuitive, so that makes sense. And then the other thing is, like, the idea- that's actually such a clever solution that it's va- like the plot hole is valid. And then hanging a lampshade on it, as they say. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. hanging a lampshade <laughs> means when the the, the the when a story t- calls attention to some uh, something like a plot hole or something that the audience a is, contrivance. Yeah. It, Most
1: people are starting to call it a contrivance yeah. now. And
0: the audience, if the audience would have said, "Hey, what about then?" the and then the movie or show itself points it out. That's called hanging a lampshade on something. Um, One so of my to-
2: favorite examples of that was the comic order of the stick that had basically one of the villains um, is interrogating someone because they believe they have information they need, and the guy literally doesn't and points that out. And it just has the villain, like, friendly, like, bang his fist. Do you really expect me to believe that we spent so much time on something, and, like, going on a list on how it's contrived, that this isn't an actual thing that they would know? And then a minion... And then when that's done, a minion comes, sir, the new lampshades you order have arrived. Excellent, just hang them anywhere. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, God. Yes,
2: exactly. So it's hanging a lampshade oh. on them on hanging the hanging lampshade. lampshade. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Yeah. Yes.
0: That's well, right. Doesn't, it,
1: but, doesn't the term come from, like, old Chaplin movies? Well, no, the supposed- idea
0: is... Oh, yeah, oh, like the idea that there's someone in the room and they put a lampshade over their head and so then you're not
2: supposed
1: to To hide, them. yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: That's that's where it originates from. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. Oh, exactly. it, I just looked it up on TV Trips to see if it had the origin of the term and that actual panel from Order of the Stick is their example image.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, no. TV Trips is very, very good in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> and very
0: bad in a lot of ways, too. Um,
1: also Vampiric Yoda is asking us where's Waluigi? And I don't think there is any I, Waluigi.
0: I didn't specifically this week. have any Waluigi. We'll
2: see. We'll see when we get there, Vampiric Yoda. <laughs> I,
1: could, I have something
2: I could stretch into it. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, we, well in
1: any case, let's get back to plot. Holes. But, uh,
0: well I wanted to say I uh, like I I actually I mean I think that's a good video and he says something that needs to be said. I actually don't a hundred percent agree with him. Oh, interesting. You, you, Well, I I do, but I mean, it's true that people go, oh, that character didn't act perfectly logically, that's a plot hole. I agree, no. But there are situations, like, we've all seen a movie where the characters act like idiots, and it's frustrating, and they're obviously only idiots to further the story. Uh, that's not a plot hole either, but I don't think it's good writing, and you can just wave it off personally. Yeah, um, Roger of course,
2: Ebert actually referred to such things as... Right. Uh, he didn't use the term plot hole, he used the term idiot plot. Or I yeah, think he might have yeah. actually uh, coined the term of people holding an idiot ball and passing it back, and it was his <laughs> criticism...
1: Which is how they describe it on TV tropes. Yeah, yeah so. and his
2: criticism, yeah. I forget what movie was it from, but it was that the movie... That the characters' work act like complete idiots, because otherwise the plot wouldn't work, thus it's a plot that requires people acting like idiots.
0: Right. Right. Yes. I think that is a... yeah, the... the, uh, and I I don't... somebody else, I think, blew that up into idiot world... Uh, you know, that the idea of the world portrayed in a story. often when it's a genre movie, again, the premise has requires everyone in the world to be an idiot, basically. Um, but yeah. it's the same basic premise. and yeah I mean- a
2: low level of that is that in every zombie story, no uh, apparently uh, no Romero zombie movies were ever made because nobody's familiar with zombies. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, that's fair. I mean, that's. that's I fine, know, but, but it's a low level version of it. In that we have to invoke a plot contrivance. You, when you write a zombie story, you have to say, "Well, zombies are so much in pop culture. Either people immediately recognize we're in a zombie story, and right. are aware of it, or we have to accept that there are no zombie stories in there, and we're like in a Watchmen situation." Where a world right. with actual superheroes has pirate comic books instead. Right. Exactly.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's funny that it seems to only be with zombies, right? Because you don't see like if if like a you're in a movie with vampires, nobody's like, "What is this vampire you speak?" Like everyone's always heard of vampires, right? And or werewolves yeah. or monsters, but with zo- it's when you start falling into a Romero-type situation. That's where mm. nobody really understands what's going on, or why the dead, or, like, nobody understands the, the only even partial acceptance I can think ex- uh, um, uh, exception I can think of is uh, Shaun of the Dead, where he does say zombie, and then he's like, don't say that it sounds stupid, yeah. but at least they're kind of acknowledging that zombies exist as a, as a trope in that world <laughs> when- I was
1: gonna say, because High School of the Dead does do that, but then they write it off mostly in that fiction is not real life right. so therefore we're not going to say we feel like we're in a zombie movie because that's not what happens in real what, life right. <laughs> another one that
2: I would actually say that actually did that and did that well was zombieland to which the characters mm-hmm. are aware that it's a zombie apocalypse and right. reference the fact that they're that this is a apparently a thing that's happened and that's part of, part of the plot and character elements
0: Okay, I don't specifically remember them mentioning zombies, but I can believe it. It was that kind of movie. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. So, Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know enough about zombie movies. Um, The other thing I wanted to say
2: about, like, recognizing the genre stuff is uh, it just made me think of the bit in Dusk Till Dawn to where the survivors of the first wave of vampires are basically, like, having a post-mortem of it, and they actually get the conversation gets lost in the weeds about fictional ways to kill vampires.
0: Right. Yeah, he says, like, um, like, they, like, they, even during the fight, they figure out intuitively that you stab them through the the heart with a wooden thing, and they, and it kills them. So they obviously, like, you've got to assume, I, I mean, Sure, they're kind of just oh, let's stab these things. But you can tell they're kind of thinking oh, wooden stakes, vampires, I guess. And they talk about, and then they st- afterwards they're like, so crosses would work, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. and like they they start holy water, that must work. So they knew all the the vampire
2: and tropes, silver. No, that's make. werewolves. No, there's something with silver with vampires, and it has yeah. the one character. Hey, here's the thing. Does anyone have any silver? And like, no. Yeah. goes Then who cares?
1: <laughs>
2: exactly. That's
1: nice. Yes. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to read a couple of comments from the chat. So Spear Havoc, uh the example I bring up is Cinemasins critiquing the science of the train's engine and Snowpiercer, and never once mentioning the fact that the train is a metaphor for capitalism, missing the point of the movie entirely. Which is basically Patrick's point yeah. that right. you're you're picking apart a part of movie, but you're picking around the wrong parts of the movie. Yes,
0: exactly. And and. Uh, I mean, it's it's fine if you don't want to specifically talk about, you know, oh, it's a metaphor for capitalism, but you should understand that it's a metaphor or a microcosm or something. Like, that they're obviously yeah. doing it to make a point about something, yeah. not to say, oh, this is exactly how it will work in this future society. Or at very because... least,
2: it's part of the central conceit. Like, right. it's part of what would be in the sentence, once upon a time there was. Right. Right, exactly. And at the lowest level, that allows you to establish anything that defies reality normally, and then people have to accept that that's the core premise of the story.
0: Right. Yeah, and I mean, because it's not... Like, that doesn't make any specific sense anyway. (laughs) Like, it's a world of taken over by its snow, and there's a train like well, that doesn't there's that's not a logical like sci-fi premise it's clearly constructed as as you say kind of a fairy tale thing yeah uh
1: yeah well climate change is so bad that the world gets covered in snow and the only way to save humanity is to have this one capitalist build this train that goes all the yeah. way around the which Earth.
0: is a perpetual motion machine that powers itself anyway. Which and and that's of course all riffing on Ayn Rand. Like that makes no sense unless you know they're commenting on yeah. Ayn Rand with both. I the haven't yeah. Snowpiercer,
2: so I'm nodding. Right.
1: It's a it's a decent movie. I did watch it when it came onto Netflix. Yeah. No, so I did watch it. It's a decent movie, and it definitely deals with a lot of socio political stuff, yeah. and it. And it's pretty heavy-handed in its metaphor, so yeah. for people not to understand that this is a riff on capitalism and well, some, and how it, it and how it treats minorities and how it just basically makes us just it's yeah. it's it's, it's well, an it's, interesting movie as far as metaphors go, but I can understand why some people would have problems with it. it it's basically um, it's
0: basically Bioshock. It's they don't need to do a Bioshock yeah. movie because it is Bioshock, but on a train instead of under the ocean. Uh, it, it, pretty it, much. It, that, that's 100%. It. And the guy who runs it is still. Alive and well, you know it's not deteriorating, but it's it's clearly inspired. There's even some imagery I think that they take from Bioshock, like the uh, the aquarium car and stuff. I think is uh, a Bioshock. Uh, yeah,
1: image. yeah. Okay. No, there's. I, I I'm not too surprised if there were some elements lifted from Bioshock or if um, whoever did some of the visual uh, design on that was once played Bioshock at some right. point in their life right. <laughs> or System Shock too. Um. So yeah. So I wouldn't be too surprised if that was the case. But but Um, anyway
2: so but yeah.
1: But it is a movie I would recommend if you have a day. (laughs) (laughs) If you have a day and you're bored, watch it. (laughs) Here's
2: a good question: Does anyone have one of like what they see as an actual plot hole in that it's where the story actually like fucking uh, slams up against itself that personally annoys you? For like, are we talking?
0: Are we talking about specifically a character doing something dumb? Because I have or like one legitimate... that
2: is now my to-go example of a plot hole. Okay. Okay, we'll what share. is it? One of the Doctor Whos, one of the Christmas episodes, uh, Matt Smith's final one. The core premise of it mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that it is that they are in a world where people cannot lie. Because there is an anti-lying right. field. Okay, right. this is, you know, absurd, but this is in your once upon a time setup premise.
1: <clears throat> right. right, this is sci-fi, it's supposed to be like this, it's basically an eternal zone of truth right. type I of period, Right, I cast zone of
2: truth! Um. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that's fine, go into all of it. However, that it has a clear point, we're basically standing right next to what the fucking uh, nexus of this zone of truth is. The doctor assures people, don't worry, I have a plan, and then when they're out of earshot... He assures uh, Clara his companion, mm. I don't have a plan and that yeah. just drives me fucking nuts because it's this is the core conceit of the story and you violated it.
0: right exactly. Yeah there's yeah Doctor <sighs> Who can be kind of bad for that. They come up with these big high premises and the high concepts. Premises, and then they kind of throw them, <laughs> throw them out the window immediately. Uh, when, when yeah. it's continuous. but it's also
2: one that shows to me that it's uh, that that just seemed like lazy writing because it's literally you had one job. There's just one thing to remember in writing dialogue, and it's that you can't lie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes.
1: Unless you explain later on why he was able to lie for that specific yeah. reason. Yeah. Like, yeah, no. And they never explain it, I'm assuming. I haven't seen that particular Christmas. No, I don't so think, it, because... no, it's
2: not even mentioned. I really it's... think that, okay. I honestly don't th- think that it was just a thing that people didn't catch.
0: Yeah. and, ah, and okay. And the, the, uh, the, and I mean, they're almost nodding to it by having him immediately admit it. Uh, but then he shouldn't have been able to lie in the first place. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. That's,
1: that's really the main thing, yeah. is that he shouldn't have been able to say that.
0: Yeah. And uh, um, th- that was unfortunately, you know, uh, a bit of a problem with Stephen Moffat. He tends to, his ideas are sort of that lasts for one scene and then I throw yeah. it away, but there's no coherent. Uh, I, I have to say, one thing, I, the opposite of that, of course, is Galaxy Quest. I always, one of the reasons I always love Galaxy Quest is that they're extremely consistent. Uh, with their premise, including the fact that the Thermians cannot lie or don't—they uh, can't—not that they can't lie, they don't understand what fiction is. Uh, yeah, so, right. so they not so only no cannot
2: de- lie; they can't under—they don't have a concept of fiction or of non-truthfulness. Right, deception,
0: and they and they and that's of course needed for the premise to work for the show for this for the movie. Uh, but yeah. but they're but then they're they realize it's like yeah but that's also funny so we keep going with it so things like immediately after they try to beam up that pig thing from the planet it explodes and they're like oh no, no it went well And the guy's like but the pig is inside out like again the they has to be keep... inside out and it exploded <laughs> yes exactly so they're consistent through the whole thing about just making that a big even even it even becomes a plot point later on uh, so and that's one of the, the you know. It's always better when they're consistent about that. You can tell when a movie is like, oh, this would be a great premise, a great setup, maybe a great scene, and then we forget about it, versus the people who are like, no, let, let's let be consistent about it. You can actually make it into you know, something entertaining about the, the entire movie,
1: right?
2: Yeah, but back to the right. Gravity Falls commentary, Alex Hirsch uh, <laughs> referred to this as uh, rewarding people for paying attention.
1: Right, yeah. exactly. Which that show does all the damn yeah. time. <laughs> all the time
2: yes yeah it's
0: um, it's, it's from, not even yeah no go, go on ahead, sorry well it's not even like yeah, that yeah it's cool if you can catch that sort of rewarding for paying attention things and i always love that in movies where they slip in like details that are you know character consistent and things like that um uh, but it's more than that it's just you know like it can be right in your face And it makes the, like I say, with the Galaxy Quest example, it it makes, uh, it just makes it, it puts it to the next level to me, uh, that you're just going to be consistent with your comedic premises rather than, (laughs) rather than just throwing them away for, uh, for, for, for one thought. I think, um, one that, uh, I remember bothered me a little about that was, um, um, Demolition Man of all things. Um,
1: (laughs) I have not seen that movie, so... okay.
0: So, Demolition Man is basically... It's like a Paul Verhoeven movie that's not actually directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, But it has the same level of, like, over-the-top, idiot, satire, Judge Dredd kind of thing going on. Yeah, Um, Yeah,
2: it's basically a serial numbers filed off Judge Dredd movie.
0: Yeah,
3: just oh, as, okay.
0: uh, just as RoboCop uh, was, so is this. In this it's he's he's Pardon like thought he's from very near future and at the time, uh, he's he's frozen and cryogenically frozen. He's woken up in a utopian future, um, in which everything is kind and pleasant. But then there's another super criminal played by Wesley Snipes, who's also been thawed out. Uh, so they have to thaw him out to fight the super criminal. Um, and uh, but the premise is that everyone's happy and it's kind of. You know, it was kind of meant to be like, oh, political... It was a very early stab, at the political correctness is out of control, and the world of the future is too politically correct. Um, not that they don't hammer on that. It's more like making fun of, like... It's like a, an R-rated movie making fun of a G-rated movie, is kind of the premise. <laughs> because, you know, okay. you can't... Like, if you swear, you get fined by the system or whatever. And, uh, I mean, that's funny... But then they don't, they're not really consistent about like the world that's been created or how it came to be or why or it doesn't sort of delve into why that world was created. Hilariously, it doesn't even delve into like, like it's all set in Los Angeles and they talk about, yes, this guy created uh, a perfect Los Angeles and I'm like, it's funny because it's clearly a Hollywood movie and they didn't even think about anything outside of Los Angeles. Like, what is the rest of the world like? We have no idea. This guy is explicitly described as being, like, the leader of Los Angeles. So I have no idea if the rest of the country is like this or if it's just Los Angeles. But again, it's kind of common, It's kind of a meta-commentary on movies, so fine. But, you know, the, you, you're sitting there wondering, you know, how the world works because people are still like mean to each other and they're not there's there's not they're not super you know super consistent about the premises i guess i don't have a really killer oh yeah they violated it with a plot hole for that so i've just been rambling for no reason but still it's not it's you can tell the difference between like galaxy quest and a movie like that where they just kind of they had a simple premise and they didn't sort of think through the ramifications of it which could have led to more comedy basically anyway
1: or even just more interesting drama. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's... like at the end of the day, you just want to create drama because drama is interesting right. in, in a fictional story. Yeah. So if you're not creating drama, then why are you doing the thing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, right? Yeah, as the,
2: as the plot
3: hole <laughs> video guy to say. So yeah, <laughs> That's actually yeah,
2: so. uh, one thing that kind of irks me, and it makes me feel like the curmudgeon Scrooge mm-hmm. for... Mm-hmm. Uh, one i followed once like out of uh, genuine curiousness, a bunch of tumblr things that are like writing prompts mm-hmm. or that there but so many of them like my respo- my like response there is like well good luck actually getting you know any conflict or freaking drama out of that
0: right mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah well i mean it's it's interesting because it is to be it, you can say that it's actually e- interesting to say okay what if we don't go for the obvious dramatic thing um right. people have been cri- people have been criticizing <laughs> um, you know i grew up watching star trek next generation and uh, as somebody right. was commenting the other day it's like that actually is one of the interesting writing prompts they had for star trek next generation which was that they can't really do personal conflict. I mean, they do. There's there's obviously some personal conflict on that show, but it's never yeah. the show is never based around these two people are enemies and want to destroy each other. I mean, he, like the members of the crew, obviously a Romulan can want to destroy them or whatever. But I mean, it's never based around well, uh, Picard and Riker are at odds with each other and Riker tries to sabotage Picard. Like it can never <laughs> be based on
2: that kind of thing. Right? I'm sorry, it's making so weird. If I'm sorry, it's making me. It's making me think of the one time they did that, and that was with Riker's duplicate.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, if it didn't happen with his duplicate, that would just be the only way that would ever (laughs) happen in the show. That's also
2: (laughs) the funniest fucking episode to me, because normally there's, like, none of that, but the minute that, like, Riker meets himself, both versions of Riker begin acting like total pricks to each other. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, that's yep. great! That's exactly
0: it. It's kind like of, there's well, absolutely
2: this- no good reason for them to be intentionally antagonizing and being so whitey and bitchy about the other one, but they do.
3: And yeah. it kind oh, of god.
2: still, and, but it's kind of still does fit Riker's personality, like his yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Uh huh.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: that's exactly it. I mean, the the, the premise of that, and I, you've, I've seen similar things to that sometimes, where it's yeah, the the premise is the subtext is just. He doesn't like himself very much, and he get this gives him a chance to basically <laughs> chew himself out, right? Uh, like that yeah. that that is actually, you know, uh, you know, that I think and that's that Riker can
2: valid. that and that Riker can be a bit of a jerk. Of course. And that then dealing oh, yeah, th- totally. dealing with like literally himself has like his worst impulses constantly right. hitting and then bouncing back off of them.
1: And it's yeah, also yeah.
2: a mm-hmm. plot that works great. That it's a good plot because there genuinely wouldn't be drama if it happened to nearly anyone else on the crew. That it's (laughs) only Riker who would have this problem.
0: Maybe Worf. Mm -hmm. Maybe Worf would be trying to murder himself, basically. Yeah, maybe
2: Worf, but like two Picards that there's no real issue with that. No.
0: Well, it's funny because that was the premise for Nemesis. Essentially, he meets his younger self, played by Tom Hardy. Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. Oh. Well,
1: uh, I never saw Nemesis. Uh, so. You know, Nemesis. It's his evil it, clone.
0: It's his evil clone, and the premise of that is actually really clever, I think, in for Nemesis because it's Re- Romulans cloned picard and they were developing a clone so they were going to replace him with a romulan tro- clone so they'd have control over it and then there was basically what i love is just there was a bureaucratic shakeup at some point there's nothing dramatic it's just and then like new leadership came in and said that's a dumb plan and they shoveled him off to the salt mines and uh, but then he vowed for revenge and he clawed his way out of the salt but it was there was no like it was just we had this sinister plan and then like the budget cuts came down <laughs> so we dropped it like and it's completely like very mundane and very plausible because there's no there was
1: yeah i was gonna say like that that's oddly realistic
0: <laughs> yeah and then, it's, <laughs> and then it's literally a guy who's like the system abandoned me i was built for a purpose and i got fucked over by the bureaucracy basically so i'm gonna take my vengeance yeah. on these people so it's actually a really cool idea for a character i thought uh, it's not a great movie, unfortunately, but that was a very good setup.
1: That's I what think. I heard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I heard. No, it's it, not a good movie from not... my brother, who is a, an insane no. Star Trek yeah. fan. So, yeah.
0: um, it has a lot, a lot of in... interesting ideas. It doesn't doesn't put them together very well, unfortunately. So in chat, but...
2: uh, friend Vanprkyota said that his uh, plot hole nitpick is the last Jedi using the hyperspace ram that he doesn't like that he thinks oh he thinks other he doesn't people doesn't like are it
0: no he is, says that's
2: anything. the plot that's the one that like always bugs that like bugs him
1: and people say it's not a hole but he but it is to him and I think it's well I mean the main argument against that is like why haven't people done that before well, And that's very easy to say why that's pe- kind of expensive
0: yeah why of <laughs> people are always flying their ships into each other that's, <laughs> me. that's not
2: I weird. mean <laughs> okay here's the Here's the thing, and it's like, once you get to relativistic speeds, building doomsday devices is really easy, because you just make something go really fast and point it into what you want blown up. So it has always been sort of a contrivance of space operas there, that you pretty much just don't draw attention to that fact, and we're gonna pretend that that's not a situation... But then right. Star Wars then actually, like, highlighting this actual real physics fact just does draw attention to the fact that, yeah, we've been pretending this isn't an option the whole time. So I can, right. I can honestly understand but, this one, and actually in the terms of plot hole, in that it's violating the uh, logic of the story, because it's not an explicitly spoken one, but it is a core genre conceit.
0: But, but hang on a minute. I I what I'm don't understand is how would you weaponize this normally if the only way to do it is to literally fly your own freaking ship. Of course they're not going to use that. you
2: okay. You get a bunch of hyperspace engines and just like a robot mm. drone pilot, and that's it.
1: Yeah. Well, or you attach the engine to a bomb. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> well, but but you but you know what the thing about that is. If you had these light speed ships flying into each other all the time, the potential for collateral damage is pretty huge. If you're going to fight a battle and you don't want to wipe out, you know, run the risk of wiping out half your own force, I can see why they wouldn't want to employ that very often. Um,
1: uh, Which is the whole point of the Last Jedi, from Leia's point of view, is that hey. We shouldn't just bum rush into things all the time because we're trying to save people, right. not kill them. Right, and,
0: and I so... mean... Now, I'll admit that The Last Jedi treats it as, like, this is a brilliant tactic nobody's ever thought of before. Um, I, mean, I can under... Honestly, I could see there are always... It doesn't get discussed very often, but there are always psychological issues in combat. Yeah. Uh, I... Where it's kind of like, this is too much, we can't do that. It's one of the reasons I think... You didn't see nuclear weapons flying left and right all the time during the Cold War, because there was a powerful psychological stimulus against it. Um, like you could have nuked Vietnam and said we won, and people didn't do that because they knew it would be such a crazy thing to do.
2: Uh, and it would, mm. it would, it would. Except sort of that time Nixon got drunk and really wanted to, but was too drunk <laughs> to find the nuclear oh, football. God. And or yes, Nixon, that actually so. happened. Look it yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well,
0: that's the problem. Of course, there have been people who are just and and that's the thing. It's the people like Nixon and Trump who just don't give a shit, who don't have any
2: humanity, who be like, "Yeah, let's do it. I don't care. I don't care about the consequences." Yeah, but, but then, then even
0: then, there's, there's but people then who into will talk Star Wars, right?
2: But then going <laughs> yeah. into Star Wars that does kind of just lead back to the problem that the Empire already built a bunch of basically fuck civilians weapons. So right. why yep. wouldn't why would they care about collateral damage like that? It. It's true. It's a thing there that's a minor point, and really it is the thing that, hey, just go with it. But I -hmm. can see where, actually, the more into Star Wars you are, the more that kind of that gets stuck there. Just because it goes so much against the grain of an unspoken rule that you don't talk about this elephant in the room.
0: By the way, I'd like to point out that Star Trek did suggest that as well uh, in the best of both worlds when they're fighting the Borg. Uh, when they thought, like, all was lost and they had no hope, the only hope they had to pre- protect Earth uh, was they were planning to go to warp speed and f- slam the Enterprise into the Borg cube. So they had yep. thought of that uh, decades before Last Jedi, I'd like to point out. Uh,
1: right. <laughs> oh, okay.
2: So, but they didn't, they,
0: they were stopped from doing it at the last minute because Picard... The was gen- able to uh, it became, yeah,
2: because in space opera, the general thing is who presume there's a reason that keeps people from doing it. Right.
1: Yeah, because the thing with doing a droid, because Yoda brings that up as well, is that droids. majority of the droids we see in Star Wars have sentience. Now, granted, chances are not every single droid in the existence yeah. of the galaxy that is Star Wars has sentience, but so many of them have s- a sentience and a personality that I can't imagine that anyone would be okay with yeah, that that is like, that
0: raises all kinds of questions in Star Wars with exactly. the droids like,
1: <laughs> you build a droid specifically to ram itself yeah. into another <laughs> ship to kill people yeah. okay but, and, so
2: when you put it that way it mm, is literally the origin of Aqua Team Hunger Force according this is to true. the movie
1: true <laughs> This is true. Never <laughs> created for the I sole purpose of, of
2: driving a je- of flying a jet into a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I have not. I'm not familiar with Aquatine Hunger Force. So what is what is the joke here?
1: It's, it's a weird stoner cartoon yeah, I, from I know, like I know the often. early 2000s. Okay, sorry, the movie
2: supposedly <laughs> revealed the origins that the bad scientists that occasionally vexed them made. Uh, made that they're monsters he made, and it was for the sole purpose of like just. Driving a vehicle immediately into a brick wall, like just for a suicide, just like a, in a pointless act of suicide. Okay. Yeah. It's not that supposed sounds... to make sense. It's supposed to be a comedically uh-huh. stupid reason to be born. <laughs> of course.
0: But yes, that was. Well, you know, and that also reminds me of, I think it's Dark Star, which is the movie where there's a bomb uh, and it's a sentient bomb. Uh, And they get into, like, philosophical conversations with it to prevent it from blowing itself up or whatever. Um, And I think uh, Douglas Adams did something similar, too, in, like, a video game or something, where there there was literally a bomb on board a ship and you had to keep, like, engaging it in conversation so it didn't get bored and decide to blow itself up or something like that. I'm not even sure. The web Uh,
2: series Red vs. Blue also did that with a character who was a sapient bomb. And, yeah, yeah. Oh my and God. whose greatest yeah. and whose life's goal was to finally complete his mission so he could detonate himself.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, oh, but see, unless unless that is something that you're exploring, all you're gonna do is just fuck with people. Right. Like Yeah. Like if, I we're, mean, if we're really gonna talk about y- writing a narrative, unless that is your specific narrative and that's what you're exploring, right. okay. The narrative of The Last Jedi was not exploring that.
2: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it, it wasn't the Mr. Meeseeks episode of Rick and Morty where it's yeah. playing exactly. fun at the idea of pe- of beings being made with, uh, uh-huh. with pedestrianly yeah. uh, simple and mundane reasons to exist. Yes.
1: Right, and Van Brick Yoda brings up that the personality can be downloaded into another body Again, that's another weird high science fiction concept that Star Wars doesn't really explore No, <laughs> well
0: they kind of, yeah, they only really f- cinched that up with, um, with Solo That you can transfer the droid's body into something else uh, Which, yeah, that does raise a lot of questions Um, but just droids in general in the Star Wars universe, the more you get into it, the more... Like, the more you get away from... um, And honestly, this is something, a criticism I've had of Star Wars to a certain extent, that the more you get away from treating it as straight up a fairy tale and just framing it that way, uh, the more you get Mm. into the sci-fi actual details of it, the more it (laughs) stops making sense, and you should not go in that direction. It's funny that I... Like, I will defend the lightspeed thing... Uh, because it just feels like yeah we're making a desperation uh, suicide run but there's all these other aspects mm-hmm. <laughs> of Last Jedi and other things and I'm not let's be clear I'm not one of these oh my God, last Jedi is terrible let's harass the cast off of Twitter people. Um, but you know I've I've had one or two issues with that film as well. I enjoyed it but um, there are a few issues I think you could reasonably have with that film. Um, but yeah, yeah no, and,
2: and, and the- I'm I'm actually gonna say there that it's like I can entirely see that as an issue like the hyperspace ram Mm -hmm. and other stuff but again i thought the emotional beats were good enough or resonant enough that it honestly Mm -hmm. didn't matter
1: yeah like for the character that we meet and what we see of her and what's inferred in what other characters say and how they treat her it makes perfect sense yeah Because, yeah, a lot of people complain that Holo comes out of fucking nowhere, and true, it's true, she does, but when Poe turns to the alien guy and says, that's Holo from the Battle of such and such, that's enough to infer that she's kind of a big deal. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I always, (laughs) like,
0: i I, I've always, uh, like, that's one of my my biggest complaints about Last Jedi, is just, we've hit the reset button and everything's back to exactly the way it was in Last Jedi, including, like, okay, Admiral is still in charge and blah blah blah, and it's like, yeah, like it's been twenty years. They've got to have new leadership and new, you know, new new people. Plus, I mean, supposedly they won, took over, and then were reconstituted. Well, that's why back they killed Admiral Akbar off, right. and that
1: pissed off people yeah. because they love Admiral Akbar Which, because of a goddamn meme. Yeah,
0: well, I am, <laughs> I am sympathetic to that. I like I like Akbar. But it's true. He was never more than just like a really <laughs> a one like yeah. in a, a character in a few scenes. He he doesn't deserve to necessarily be like the focus of the movie or anything. But right. so that's I, fine. I'll,
1: He's uh, There are people who wanted him to be the focus of this yeah, movie.
2: That's okay. Here, not this one, but I probably would watch Akbar a Star Wars story. <laughs> I would. Yeah, yes.
1: yeah. I'm not saying that making an Akbar story wouldn't be interesting. Mm. It's just that N- yeah. not here for the. Well, not... not here. Not in this instance. No, <laughs> uh, I always... Not in a Skywalker story. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll, I'll t- not to get too far off track, but that's always my thing about Star Wars. Like, I know that for years we've had spin-offs and expanded universes and all this kind of stuff. But one of the things about the original movies, and even the prequels to a large extent, uh, they were literally just every scene or every sequence is here's a new thing, here's a new aspect yeah. of the world, here's new characters, here's something else, and then we'll basically, like, for continuity's sake, they may show up again, but they got they were focused on in one scene or one sequence only, and then that's it. And everything else that you're going to give it, like, like, is going to be, yeah, sure, there's expanded universe stuff, but to keep going back to that, to me... Uh, betrays the spirit of Star Wars which has been my problem with the sequels because they've gone back to X-Wings and TIE Fighters and stuff it's like they had their moment in the sun they should be doing new bits and instead they're kind of rehashing the old movies in a way that that isn't true to the spirit of the old movies because, like, when Empire Strikes Back came out, they didn't go back to Tatooine. They didn't introduce like all the exact same stuff they had before. They brought in all new technology, new planets, new aliens. Like, it was all new, and I feel like the new movies should be doing that a bit more. Anyway, I'm, but that's just that's been my biggest complaint about the new ones. But the new ones are kind of deconstructing the old ones, so I
2: guess there's this validity to that. Um, well, I mean, they do that too. We visit a few different planets and. I, another thing that sure. people kind of stupidly bitch about is they don't. Is some people don't like the Canto Bright subplot there, yeah, but that does I, exactly I, what you said. There, hey, here's a new place yeah. in the universe. Here's fleshing out how like this actual setting works. Yeah, I I love
0: Canto Bite. I yeah. my complaints are not the same as many other people's complaints no. for, for yeah no. Um, but yeah, well
1: for for pe- for other people they're saying that Canto Bright was pointless because everything they did was pointless, and it's just kind of like, yeah. did you not understand the point of the B story of this yeah. movie? <laughs> oh, thematically,
0: it's incredibly important. Okay, oh, yeah. Do here,
2: have a, here's <laughs> the thing, in the sense of like moving chess pieces around, yes, it's pointless. Yeah. in the sense of character arcs. It's right. the story, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: right? Exactly. Right. Yeah, maybe can, the real plot holes a, it were it the friends do we
3: f- made I, along the way. I'm never
0: a huge fan of this character went on a big jaunt and it was sort of pointless and and they could have been using their time a little better. It's never my favorite thing, but it's again, as Patrick Williams would say, it's not a plot hole and it's not um, you know it's not necessarily bad. Uh, it's it's it would have been more satisfying if. Something had come out of that that had actually let them win. And in fact, it actually It ended up hurting them worse than (laughs) if they just sat around and done nothing. But that's not a plot hole. That's part of the point. Uh, You know, that is literally thematically relevant to the story that they kind of dig their own hole with that. And that there is, for once, a roguish, like uh, TJ or whatever his name is, Medusa del Toro character. He's important in that he's the first roguish. Weirdo that gets recruited into the rebellion who doesn't, who is actually untrustworthy because all the other, you know, roguish rapscallions end up siding with the good guys. And you know, oh, you can't trust them, oh, but yes, you can, they're actually good. You know, Han and Lando and all the others. And this guy is like, no, I actually am going to sell you out to the empire. Bye, (laughs) you
1: know, sorry, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, not sorry.
0: Yeah, which was good. It's good to, to it's it, it was probably needed to show that no, you can't trust every lovable rogue that comes along in the entire yeah, entire and galaxy. you
1: probably shouldn't trust every lovable rogue exactly. that comes along. Did he?
0: He survived, um, right? The last Jedi. He, he's he's he didn't die, right?
1: Like he could. If he died, if he died, it was off screen because right. I think he kind of takes his stuff, and they're supposed to give him a shuttle, but then the fight breaks out, and then yeah. the ram happens and yeah i feel like so maybe i'd
0: like to see him in the next one just to see like <laughs> see his character arc where they're like hey you screwed us over let's you know anyway well to sum up anyway the the the, the video we're linking to is actually one we generally think is good we uh, we could quibble with some of it but uh it is about how we focus too much on plot holes as we're reviewing movies and i recommend you watch that but um Let's go on to uh, the next one, which is the Quillette
2: article. I think we should talk about. Um, we- okay. Since we've been we've been having fun here, but and then this is <laughs> so me spinning get- the yeah. chair around to sit on it backwards. It's time to take things down a notch into yeah. serious town and
1: yes, it, and talk about art criticism. And get very angry. <laughs> well, have you read
2: Abby? Did
0: you read the article here?
1: I'm reading it now. Like it's like the first image. I'm just kind of like. Mm okay, this person has a hot take on the fine arts world, and let's see what that's about. <laughs> it's not,
0: well, the thing is, it's not even about the, fi, the, fi, the 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 art world. It turns into just basically a lazy millennials rant, although she doesn't say lazy millennials. Oh, God. Um, she basically says, um, hey, you, you can't be good artists. You think you all... Yeah, she doesn't actually say you spoiled millennials these days, but that's essentially the implication of this whole article. Um, really? And it's very... It's also from a very right-wing perspective, which I wasn't even necessarily expecting, but it is. Um, <sighs> it's coming from... Um, like, oh, ident- she For some reason, she starts ranting against identity politics. Um, because... Well, here's the funny part of that article. She says, um, oh, people are told that your, worth is, your work is of worth just because you're a marginalized identity. Just because you have a different skin color. Just because you're disabled. Blah, 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 blah. But the only real... Uh, diversity that matters is diversity of viewpoint and i'm like yes that is exactly what we just
1: said (laughs) which can come because you have a different skin color than normal or you are differently abled than normal that's exactly because you have different experiences than maybe the average quote-unquote person yes um (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's the exact point. like the fact that that flew over her head is hilarious to me like oh that's it's like everyone is the same but their skins are sometimes different color it's like yes spoken like someone who is white obviously uh that they would yeah. have nothing they only certain specific people have something to add with their diversity of viewpoint which like is an diver- odd
2: fu- which is also an odd fucking thing because that is just like Veering off from the, basically the thesis of the essay like four paragraphs in.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's
1: really. Yeah, yeah
2: which is yeah. supposed to be too many people want to be artists and we don't do enough to discourage them because most people are gonna be drones.
0: Yeah, oh,
1: she actually talks
0: about like like that's a good thing. You should understand that you're all meant to be drones in the capitalist system. Uh, so don't get this swelled head about being an artist. <laughs> it's like
1: because I find it this. interesting that the person that she decides to quote tweet in the middle of the article is like a Christian who's I think who's that's second her post. Is it her? As a reminder: If you try to remove God from art, you are left with an ugliness similar to sin, which too has no relation to God. And welcome to my TED Talk. That's that's not how you use that meme. First of all, and second oh of all, God, but... I'm looking at. I'm I'm looking at the modern art that she's trying to criticize, and like. I, I have a lot of issues with fine arts, mostly because it tends to be filled with a lot of uppity people, and I'm saying this in t- terms of art school, as somebody who is an illustration major. <laughs> um, you just get a lot of really, really big-headed people in the fine arts department a lot of the time. That's just how it is. You gotta deal with it. Sometimes it's the students, sometimes it's the teachers, sometimes it's a mix of both. In any case... I'm looking at the modern art that's supposed to be in the museum, and I can actually kind of see why it was created, and I'm curious as to what the concept was behind some of them, because it's a hell of a lot better than some of the stuff I saw when I was in art Yeah, also, I can't
2: help but notice she's cherry-picking, it's really cherry-picking, because it's like, look at this piece of crap, and it's like, I'm seeing in the background of one, there's something that is, honestly, looks very, like, much more traditional, and technically proficient, but that Mm -hmm. is being ignored, Say for the stuff that is clearly, like, obviously um, experimental.
3: Right. Yeah.
1: Or, like, the one with the brown paper. That could very well be the end result of performance art, and with performance art, it's not necessarily about the end result, it's about having witnessed the performance itself. Right. So, and then all that's left is this Thing that they performed with, which, is, which gets and here's the supply. thing, having and ta- that brings up questions as to art and uh, having a physical thing and not having a physical thing and is, a, is it having a video of the performance a physical thing etc. Right. So like to- all of that is really really interesting and it's clearly going over her head So to- when <laughs> the stuff
2: shared seems to be done on whiteboard like yeah. that it is clearly like attempts so right. it's like I really think that a lot of these are very likely um, actual art class final projects because here's the thing mm-hmm. for some of them. They don't actually want you to do the same thing you've always done. They're going to put a restriction on you to see what you can do with there and make it a challenge.
1: Right,
0: exactly. Right, well, and aren't there sometimes art, uh, art uh, projects that are literally... Um, what's the word interactive and and it's literally like maybe a little kid came along and drew that or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's something that I, I remember. Uh, There's a whole once,
2: context that you don't know. Right. So
0: I, yeah. I remember someone once uh, their thing was uh, they, they built a uh, like a paper mache Buffalo and it was very sort of crude looking uh, and they put it out in the middle of like a street somewhere uh, and the whole, and they put on a video, like a secret video camera on it. And the whole point was that people were going to come by and trash this thing because it looked like junk, basically. And they were going to film it, and that was going to be the commentary on, like, both as a metaphor for environmental destruction and also just to show that when people see this kind of art, they get angry and they kind of, like, or not even angry, but they treat it with disdain and they they don't, and, like, that was the comment, basically. That was the whole point. Um, right. And, and um, like, that's actually really interesting. It doesn't require that the art have this, and believe me, I'm not someone who knows much about fine art and has, I, I like a, aesthetically pleasing art, and I'm I, I honestly would join in some of the critique of, oh, look at this you know, crap that I pasted or whatever. Like if it's, if it's completely ugly, I feel like maybe I would criticize that, but if you've got a larger point that you're making and there's part of a whole thought process behind it, you can't just, you know, you know, that it's an easy, as they say, an easy, uh, an easy, uh, 10 points for. Oh, good God.
2: Also, I can't help. I, we got all that serious, like actually commentary. And now I have to bring back the yucks there. I click through oh, no. to Helen Dale's Twitter thing, and oh my god, it's like I'm just staring in amazement that her that she's actually Helen. <laughs> and just no, from I... her picture, she looks like the person who's going to make uh, demand to talk to your manager.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. a little bit. She doesn't have the haircut, but yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: is she
0: like her link on the on the website on like related to quillette or uh, her twitter twitter feed her twitter feed i <laughs> looked it up yeah oh, yeah i mean she's well it's it's very much like again she just literally gets into like communist bashing as it goes on and it's always like and that is ultimately the thing that is always frustrating about these which let let's face it we've been seeing variations on Critiques of mo- postmodern and postmodern art for uh, decades now. It's you know, uh, of course, Jordan Peterson. It's kind of his whole thing. But literally, mm-hmm. yeah, you know whose like...
2: big thing it was. Who uh, the Nazis? The Nazis. No, and yes. I'm not yeah. doing this as just a uh, like. Yeah, well, you know no, who else? No, yeah, you yeah, know
1: Hitler. It, but it was a thing they no. Did. <laughs> it was a big thing in the
2: <laughs> Nazi aesthetic there to bash the subversive and deviant arts. Yeah right
1: yeah yes and and to um uphold and uplift the classical quote-unquote yes yeah, so Did i you know, am well, literally the, the saying that, that helen here
2: that these are actual fascist talking points and yeah. giving the rest yep. of her politics and the end of her essay i think that that's exactly what she's going for yeah
1: oh so you're saying helen is a nazi
2: you <laughs> heard it here folks Helen Dale is a Nazi um, no,
0: it's- I'm
1: not saying she's
2: necessarily no. a Nazi I'm saying that her creative enterprise is a book series about if the Roman Empire still went <laughs> oh, on God. and had an industrial revolution and she's also oh, God. and she also retweets like actual hardcore conservative medievalists yeah. who want us to return to the surf system Right. and oh, she's God. bashing modern art there. I'm not yeah. saying she's a yeah. Nazi, but I'm saying someone could easily be confused for it, because she is yes. often wearing a Nazi's uniform.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: Well,
2: the
1: funny thing... It's one of those if it walks like a duck yeah. kind of situations. Well, the, the, it's
2: always funny to me when
0: people bash modern art, because the first, my first ever experience uh, with that whole, hey, modern art, look, it's garbage, and nobody knows, and nobody understands it... Uh, Is was literally Archie Comics, like that was literally. Oh yeah, in in the old like, like in the sixties, and and of course I'd read the reprints and the digests when I was a kid growing up. Oh yeah, um, they had, that was a, almost every digest they do a joke about modern art and how it was garbage and oh nobody really understood it and like they did one joke about how like. There were a couple of garbage cans in front of a canvas, and and Veronica, I think, was the snooty one in that one. She was analyzing it. And then the garbage man came in and took out the garbage, and, ha-ha, it was the actual garbage. They didn't understand it. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> like, but literally, and as people... I remember, I think it was the uh, the AV Club, at one point a few years ago, they said, has any uh, youth comic had more contempt for youth culture than Archie <laughs> over the years? <laughs> And it's true. It's it's a comic about teenagers that's always been written by like very old men. Oh. Um and it's that kind of thing. And but that, yeah. that that's been a hobby horse of old-timey hack cartoonists for decades mm-hmm. to just be like oh, yeah. modern art so what bright. is it? I don't know. My 6-year-old could draw that. Ah. You know, that's and when you see that over and then when you see it being repeated by like serious <laughs> you know uh, intellectuals you start to go okay you're giving me the same depth of intellect i'd get from an archie comic is that really uh, where you want to be with this basically uh, especially when the point is and then of course if somebody actually introduces it to you and again you don't have to like it all but you go well it's the point is to make you think and that's all it takes is to go. Oh well, if I'm going to be thinking about it and actually engaging with it, suddenly my perspective has shifted.
2: Uh, so right. to sum you know, things up, we're saying that Jughead is a Nazi.
0: <laughs> no, Jughead <laughs> is down. Jughead is. Remember, Jughead is the the hippie of the group. He's the one they they he he gets it all wrong. Basically, it was uh, everyone else who's a fascist. But yes, it was you know, Archie's a fascist. Unfortunately, Archie's a fascist. Yes, there you go. Uh, Jughead, to be fair, is is not a fascist. Jughead's, yeah, I don't think would, Jughead could. Be Jug, a fascist. Jughead is an anarchist. Clearly, I think that goes without saying. <laughs> I
1: don't.
0: I don't think you're going to argue about that.
1: No, probably not. <laughs> um.
0: But yeah, this is this is a pretty shameless article about. Um, you know,
1: I can't. You can't all be
0: artists But yeah, her main point that she does eventually find her way back to. Uh, is um, you know oh not everyone's going to be an artist. It's it's funny because it's literally the argument of the stuffy teachers in Dead Poet Society uh, to Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, don't teach them to be you know when they're not Shakespeare's. They're gonna, except it's w- more well framed in that movie. It's you know don't teach them to be Shakespeare's because then they'll be angry at you when they're not Shakespeare. You know. Uh, um, okay.
2: I also had. To... The thing there well, why are they ranting about oh, like basically minorities and that they're in the middle of it and I just realized oh that's the people you think should be drones <laughs> and who shouldn't <laughs> be pursuing artistic pursuits because that's not what they're for. That's uh-huh. why That's why the yeah. whole thing about uh yes. ranting about minorities doing arts is in there. Okay. You don't-
0: you don't have the breeding for it. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't, don't think above your station. Yes. <laughs> to be fair, it's prob- yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. Yes,
2: yeah, so you don't have the pedigree to do a great thing like what if the uh, Roman Empire had the steam engine. <laughs>
1: <gasps> yeah, what if the Romans inv- invented steam power? Uh-huh. Um...
3: Clearly.
2: Yeah, Clearly. great fucking yeah. idea. No one's come up with that before. I'm sorry, I shouldn't suck. This is the winner That's of the a- Australian Vogel and the Miles Franklin Award.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, the famous miles Frank I don't know maybe it's a great award. I don't know, but it's that does remind me of how um Newt Gingrich do you remember Newt Gingrich for a while he was writing fictional book. He wasn't in politics, so he was writing fiction and it was like literally he wrote a book about what if the Nazis won World War II like that was literally the the height of his brain genius uh, was to do that idea which has never been done before clearly
1: oh no definitely not and there isn't an amazon series that isn't based off of a, a well-known sci-fi novel from 90 uh-huh. from the 1970s yep. that is ex- that exact premise exactly. definitely not
0: and that definitely was not. Yeah. and that was and and it's also funny and then Bill O'Reilly I think wrote, wrote some fiction too and that that's what uh, Stephen Colbert was making fun of with mm-hmm. um, uh, Tech Jansen, uh, Alpha Squad Seven. Basically, he was making fun of uh, conservatives for some reason wanting to be pulp novelists, conservative politicians. Anyway, so. Uh,
2: uh, Glenn Beck too. Yeah, Glenn.
0: But you're right. Oh, really? Glenn Beck
2: wrote an alternate history. That's true.
0: Oh my god.
1: Oh god. What is
0: that? Why are they obsessed with that? It's so weird. Anyway.
1: Who the fuck knows? Well, because they're all racist hacks. That's why. <laughs> Because I know uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name, but the the guy in Britain who is basically their version of Trump, Boris Johnson. <laughs> Boris Johnson. There was an interview with him where he was basically like, "Yeah, when I retire, I want to write fiction." Yeah,
0: it's it's funny, <laughs> and I think I can't remember how I was commenting it on here, but it is it is interesting to think about the times fiction has had that political impact, because Lenin was very inspired by sci-fi novels of his day as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so big... were the Nazis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, the Nazis obviously had... I'm sorry whole, I keep uh...
2: bringing it back to them, but it's fair to <laughs> yeah.
0: mention. Well, they loved Wagner, and although Wagner, apparently they liked Wagner, and then they kind of felt the need to desperately rewrite him once they got into power. Um, apparently that was a... Th- I remember, I think it was C.S. Lewis wrote a thing about oh, the Nazis don't get Wagner either. Like, he was kind of dismayed about, you know, like, they were trying to rewrite the story to be more in line with their views or whatever, which is weird, because you'd think that would be their ultimate thing, would be Wagner, but apparently even that wasn't, uh, it still had elements they found subversive or whatever. Um,
1: Interesting. Yeah. Hmm.
0: But it is interesting that, yeah, like, Wagner and Nietzsche were pals, and I don't really know all the history of that, but they were, you know, one was this philosopher who wrote Supposedly, you know, high minded real world things, and the other guy wrote, you know, big splashy, the equivalent of blockbuster movies of his day. Uh, but they were, you know, they were both uh, sharing ideological common ground, which is kind of interesting. But, uh, and of course, but, yeah, and uh, as I say, Lenin apparently he was a big fan of Gorky, who was a fiction writer, and that was actually, he was literally. Trying to get it. Gorky was literally writing to him during the revolution and being like, "Ah, oh, maybe kill fewer people, Lenin." And he was like, "Well, you know, mistakes have been made, but I like you, Gorky. I'll make sure you're okay." And then possibly, I like <laughs> you, Gorky. I kill you I last. Like the Gorky. And then, the, and then the theory is that like once Lenin died, Stalin basically had Gorky killed. Although there's no it's not technically provable but he did suspiciously die shortly after landed after Stalin came to power so anyway um, <clears throat> but yeah it's it's you know it, it it's an interesting thing that so many and of course Hitler on top of that he was an art he wanted to be an artist and he didn't succeed at being an artist um, so you have to wonder if there's something about that mindset almost Yeah. Uh, you know, I know, I've known a few film directors who could probably be horrible, oppressive dictators if they wanted to be. Um, mm. If they'd gotten into politics.
2: And talking about you, Kubrick! Yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't think he, I don't think Kubrick was particularly tyrannical on set. I think a uh, Hitchcock uh, was pretty tyrannical. I mean, no. he he was very exacting and meticulous. I don't think he was necessarily the Kubrick
1: odd, made probably.
2: people cry demanding so many takes. So that's specifically right. why I went
1: Yeah. For him. But
2: but was that like, "Oh, you, you're such a jerk and you're like was that
0: berating them or just let's do it again and again and again until I wear you down?" Right? I, I have no
2: idea. I don't
0: I don't know, right I know enough about I know Kubrick, Hitchcock, unfortunately. Hitchcock definitely did that. Like, he was known for really being cruel to the actors and, and not treating them well at all. And in fact, that's one of the reasons I think people have felt his star has fallen a little in recent years, is that the modern actors all know, like, what a jerk he was to the actors. And he literally said, uh, I think he's literally quoted as, yeah, you should treat actors like cattle, uh, I think was his quote.
3: Um, oh my God!
0: <laughs> so there you go. Unfortunately, he was But Butchering and
2: enjoy them with delicious catsup Oh, <laughs> 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 well,
0: that's the kind of joke he would make too. He'd come out yeah, on his uh, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock presents. I enjoy Al- actors should be treated like cattle and served with a white wine sauce.
2: Mm. Excuse a- me, Adam. White wine with. Oh, red
3: meat! Oh Oh, Oh my God!
0: (laughs) I'll never be able to dine with Helen Dale now. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I'll never be an artist in her eyes because I like white wine with steak. I guess.
1: Yep.
3: (laughs) So,
0: since we've been talking about politics, shall we move on to that uh, final—the final article? Which one? Uh, the one that I linked after the Quill It Out article. Um,
1: oh, the... Is this the stupidest book ever written about socialism? Yes.
0: Um, basically, <laughs> the Chapo Trap House guys, and merely by mentioning it, I've now tripled our, viewer, our readership.
2: Um,
3: I don't know... Uh-huh.
0: Here's the
2: thing, I don't know who they are.
0: Okay, well, there's a very, very either. popular podcast. Okay, this is great, because... I So, I, I was prepared to be the guy who didn't know about Chapo Trap House, but I have actually listened to the show once. Um, they okay. are. They could be roughly comp- uh, described. Do you know the Young Turks at all?
3: Yes. As, yeah, I'm I aware of. They the have young a Turks.
0: relationship with the Young Turks. They are essentially. Um, there was an article a while back about the Dirtbag Left, and it was focused on them. You could call them the Howard Stern of socialism. Essentially, um, they are very hard leftists, um, like left of the Democrats, uh, and but they're they also like make dick jokes and act like you know. Uh, uh, you know, act like uh, frat boys, basically. A, More or less. yeah. <laughs> Brocialists, yeah. When people talk about Jeez. Bernie Bros and all these guys, like basically all the criticisms you've heard of the left from Democrats in the last few years have been they they've had the Chapo Trap House guys in their mind. Uh, Will Menaker ah. is a guy who gets retweeted a lot. Uh, he's one of the uh, he's one of the three uh, Chapo Trap House guys. There's also a woman who, for some reason, I guess she gets marginalized, and I think that's one of the criticisms people have of them that they do, they are bros and they do tend to be very sort of white male uh, New Yorkers and there oh. this article, this review by Politico, so I don't have any particular love for these guys uh, I've, had, I've heard a fair amount of criticism of them, yeah, not being you know, their politics are closer to mine and everything but they're kind of jerks and they're kind of, you know, frat boys um, but this review is hilarious because it is reviewed by a very centrist writer and it's literally them go like, dif- in, rather than attacking the book on its merits, uh, and like, and some of the mer- some of the, some of the, 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 quotes are actually kind of funny and saying it's a lazy book. Although they seem to miss the point that it's supposed to be kind of a wacky co- comedy book, uh, but it does get into real politics, and then he's like, he spends, <laughs> his name is Bert Schur, the writer. Um, and he starts, uh, he starts talking about, like, well, they say the Korean War wasn't good, but the Korean War was defending... Sorry, Bill, sure. The Korean War was defending uh, democracy against the evil commies. Like, he, he turns into the most, <laughs> like, stuffy, old Yeah, that got me
2: for a thing there. It's like, yeah, this is where the dirt back left. Not, like, good... It's like... But the actual thing that they said there... It's, it's like, well, we see the Democrats and the Republicans as on the same side because they both obey the corporate yeah. masters and they're both going to do things that like defending pointless wars and then this person goes and insisting no, the Korean War was a great idea.
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Three
2: paragraphs later, he's like, oh, how could you say the Democrats and the
0: Republicans are the same? Which I'm pretty sure they don't actually literally say that. But it, then he literally ends so how could you say defending pointless wars? Then three paragraphs later, he's defending a <laughs> he's defending a war. A very pointless <laughs> yeah, war. Yeah, pretty pretty wor- pointless <laughs> war. And I mean, you could have an argument about the Korean War and its place in history, but this is really, like, he's just trotting out. He's he's accusing them of having a lack of substance, but he's
2: trotting out some of the most vapid talking points I've ever seen. It, um, it's a marvelous lack of self-awareness where we talked before <laughs> about the last person being the stuffy uh, villains from Dead Poet Society. <laughs>
3: that this, yeah. That if this
2: is the case, this is this person is that I guess the dean from Animal House. <laughs> 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 fat, broken, stupid
0: is no way to live. That's well, that fits. Yeah, doesn't it? Uh, um...
2: House. <laughs>
0: Exactly. And that's exactly what they're going for. And they can't see that they're being provoked perfectly into that reaction. And then there, there's, well, it even gets further on, it gets actually pretty funny. Like,. He says, so, and, and I've already seen people dunking on this article for that because they t- they take they they take a, an axe to FDR, you know, who is of course revered. As yeah, the, I, I'm at the that leftist point. guy, <laughs> and um, they say, yeah, but the the you know the New Deal had very racist elements in it, you know, it didn't it didn't they apparently they say it didn't benefit black people at all. Well, you can argue that or whatever, but he goes, literally, his next sentence is like, well, you know, uh, sure, no, there was many. Please, please, racist- let
2: me re- no. Whatever you're saying cannot be as funny as yeah. the fucking actual oh, no. quote, yeah. which was the end of the, fir- the paragraph. They claimed that black people were excluded from pretty much all of the New Deal. This is just wrong. The New Deal was limited by the racism of its time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's- then how is it?
2: No! And it's,
0: it's true that it extended segregationist policies in some areas, so basically you're agreeing with them when you say this.
1: Like he <laughs> but, but it provided job
0: opportunities Job opportunities for African
2: Americans. Like what
0: Slavery provided job opportunities for African Americans? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah,
2: I was gonna say like it's like he's, he can't realize
0: he's he paradizing himself when he says that basically No,
2: but seriously like the comed- the comedic like jerk ass way to mock a centrist would be saying, Well, this horrible thing's okay is because it creates job opportunities.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's exactly right. And, I mean, you could very easily have a logical comeback to most of these things, but he manages to just trip over a rake in the most dramatic fashion every time, the way he responds to their points. it's, It's quite amazing that he manages to do that. And then he says, like, he literally opens it with, like, Oh, how could you possibly believe corporations run everything? And how about those neoliberals? What that don't exist and aren't a real thing? And like, dude, go on Twitter and you'll find like five people in a second calling themselves neoliberals. Like it's clearly yeah. calling themselves neoliberals, mind you, not as an insult. Um, <laughs> like, it's it's it's. You know, and I'm not. None of this is to defend the Chapo Trap House guys. It sounds like it's you know the, the 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 accusation that really lands is that it's just a cheap cash in, and they really uh, they cranked it out for money. But
2: but no, but that is still a bullshit thing because it's like ah, you're socialist, and yet you're charging money for your goods and services. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that's
1: that's not like, that's oh, not how that go works.
2: Go to Costco and buy the Econos... Size barrel of bully sticks so you could eat a literal ton of dicks. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) It's the Matt Boers cartoon in essay form. And I mean, of course the guy, like, the people, he's making this on Politico. It's like, well, there are a bunch, they've certainly gotten rich peddling an ideology. It's like, what, I hear the kettle is calling the pot something right now, I can't even, like, what do you think you're doing? Like, as soon as socialists yeah. do it, it's bad, but you've been doing it for decades, like battling an ideology. Yep. You are you don't have a leg to stand on in this particular uh, argument I'm afraid. I, I, again, it's not that it's inherently an unfair accusation, but literally every book in the political section of the bookstore is made by someone for whom you could level that exact same charge. That they're just, you know, quote, grifting, or at least they're peddling an ideology to make money and they don't, you know, m- whether they're sincere or not, blah, 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 And how are you to know that, anyway?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but, you know, it's, like, the book sounds pretty stupid. It sounds like the equivalent of, you know, the, the the books that are ground out to go in with TV shows, which I have a lot of, by the way. I have, like, the jo- the, the John Stewart book and the Stephen Colbert book. And you know, I've I've always, and I have like books tied into other TV shows. I've always been weirdly obsessed with. Them. I have, like the Conan O'Brien book of if they made it and all that. Like I, I, I get it. You know, it's most of these are schlocky, just tie-in books.
2: And I guess okay, this but is the, the same thing. Uh, Daily Show book is very funny. Yeah, the Daily Show book. is I good. actually
1: haven't read any of those books, so I know they their oh, existence, the like The Daily Show am book is
2: basically a fake like uh, high school textbook. Right on yeah, American. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh,
1: okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's called America the Book,
2: and
0: it's yeah, it's done in kind of a yeah, and it's like full color. It's <laughs> you know, it's full color and glossy paper and hardcover, so it's all it's all fancy too. But um, and I liked I did like Stephen Colbert's book, but it was I have to admit, you know, again, it's it's clearly like. B material from the show, which is still pretty good, I think. So I'm always in favor Yeah, no, a lot of those books are good, believe me I Like I say, I have a bunch of them I'm not going to... I have a book several books of Letterman's top ten lists Like I have all kinds of... Uh, the that, original that t- clickbait Exactly! Yeah, yes.
1: pretty much
0: I have that... That's, Basically. that's the intellectual tradition this clearly is operating in uh, which is literally just spin-offs of somewhat political comedy shows um, and that a guy who's supposed to be a serious political writer and literary critic uh, manages to s- so badly mess up responding to it is pretty hilarious. And he's... Oh, the DMZ. I was gonna say, I thought it said he was a contributor to TMZ at the, at the end. Oh no, no, <laughs> the DMZ. No, it's something called the DMZ. But that would have been pretty pretty funny. But, um... Yeah, it's it's you know it's 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 very, it's a good microcosm of the criticisms you hear leveled at, the left now that there's a bit of a, and, and you know as we say if you don't know it the Mar- the Matt Bors comic it's been of course endlessly cited online where, uh you know somebody, is posting on a posting against capitalism on a cell phone and somebody pops up and goes aha but you're posting it on a cell phone jack mate and then he moves further back in time to like he's a medieval peasant going we should improve. Yeah. we should improve society somewhat and he pops out of a well going yet you participate in society you know and I, that am always, I am very clever i am very i am
1: very smart <laughs>
0: Which of course is it's like no, yeah.
1: no, you're just
0: no Whenever you're whenever you have a system that's all encompassing and you criticize it, that you can come up with that very lazy response to it of, oh, but yep. everything you have is from the system. Well, yes, because there is no other system. Like <laughs> Mars might be better than Earth. But you live on Earth yeah, I evolved here. I didn't really have a choice, you know? Like, it's not... It's yeah, not it's not we, something... We
1: can't live on Mars. Yeah,
0: right. Like, Despite like... what
1: Elon Musk might think. Yes. <laughs> Maybe
0: we'll go to Mars and make it better. I don't know, but we have to try first, right? Anyway.
1: Yeah. So
0: that is the inherent logic problem, but of course it's always... Now, I always do find it funny, and this is something... The one aspect of leftism that I sometimes roll my eyes out of it is that it's everything you read that criticizes them is, like, part of the great global conspiracy against them. That, um, you know, it's... It, uh, of course, you know, you're not allowed to criticize the system and look at them... Criticize. And, I, I mean, I agree to an extent, but you do always have to say, yeah, some of these people are just led around by the nose to their own conclusions <laughs> where they they write stuff like this. I don't think anyone is paying Bill Schur... To, no. Uh, no you know to to say i'm going to we got to take out those chapo guys with a good review with a bad but, review but
2: uh, the point of like why it's a system there is that uh this guy is in a position to write about it because right. he has those beliefs and will say it and somebody who is not would basically not be given that job right and would exactly. not have right. those opportunities
0: yes the system elevates mediocrity that supports itself and fights against, uh, you know, cr- uh, more sharper things that is more critical of it, which, you know, I'll absolutely agree with that. But that And that's kind of a bit... I'm always a big believer that the system is somewhat on rails and, and defending itself just automatically. There There isn't a, a you know, a mastermind controlling it all. No, it's well, it's like my thing there
2: up. that it seems that, uh, like, political journalists especially are seemingly specifically selected for being the most gullible and <laughs> uncritical, gommeless <gulmest laughs> twits ever. Yes. But that, part I, of the yeah. reason is that the people who own the papers are people who don't want people asking big questions, and the other oh. reason yep. is that politicians uh, like people who will believe their bullshit and give them access, and yes. publications like access, so people who are like the most gomer pile like stars in the (laughs) eyes just ecstatic beyond belief to be allowed in the same room with john mccain are going to uh be the ones given the position to do so rather than somebody who's actually going to be critical or check things for five minutes
0: Exactly. Right. There, yes, the system yeah. is
2: fine-tuned to specifically find the level of how stupid you can be to still hold a pen <laughs> and write coherently well, but uh-huh. n- but no
1: smarter than that.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, it's the, it's the,
1: well, I mean, that's what they have editors for in any case, yeah. right? It's, to make people it's, sound smarter than they are, question mark. It's
0: the 16th century cor- French courtiers. It's where it's like, oh, you flattered the uh. king quite splendidly, so we will elevate you. We will, we will give you two of our scented handkerchiefs today. You know, it's that, exactly. Um, it's not that... And they came by their opinions honestly, but the system rewards them for these stupid opinions, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: so... Um, and yeah, that is, that is the, but I mean, there's no denying you do see people kicking harder when they're, you know, certain people, clearly their livelihoods are at stake and they start to kick a little harder. Uh, I have definitely
2: observed that, um, Mm -hmm. well, it it is also the thing that, okay, this guy's basically a pundit and pundit is let's be objective Possibly the most pointless, useless job in any society. Uh Yes, (laughs) and it is the most perpetuating. And one of my friends at Twitter point out: "It there is that no, they're not paid and hired to write because they have good opinions. They're paid and hired to write because they have pleasing or stupid opinions."
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: Entertaining or, opinions, no, which it's is like, not necessarily the same as. it's Gould. like yes. no, it's like people are who, correct. who are <laughs>
2: invested in status quo and thus make the decision on who gets to be like promoted to pundit and everything. Or there do not want people who actually will do hard hitting, like looks into the way the system works and give insightful right. comments. There, they want somebody yeah. who will sounds who basically in their mind who will sound smart to stupid people. Yeah. Yep,
1: yeah. And, yeah,
0: pretty much Well, And then getting back to the theme of the show As you say, <laughs> something that's an entertaining opinion Because some of them And it's true, from what I've seen Of like some of the really big name pundits I don't even think they are doing The clickbait journalism thing I think they really are just You know, big defenders of Hey, I've done really well I get to pound out a column every week uh, Saying nothing and talking about how everything is great so I'm I really like inobservant system. And unself-reflecting yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I've done okay by the system, so I'm going to defend it, kind of attitude. So, I don't think they're doing the, I'm going to shock you. It's the it's the younger, if this is right, the younger, hungrier pundits who have to come up with that kind of shocking, uh, oh.
1: Just to get attention, yeah. yeah. And that's the. Uh, it's it's the same thing of kids on YouTube doing the cinnamon challenge or eating Tide pods. It's. <laughs> It's, it's not that they that they aren't capable of more, it's just that they want the attention, so they're doing whatever the fuck they can to so get it. So pundits and... are the intellectual
2: equivalent of snorting condoms, is what you're saying. Snorting <laughs> condoms and eating condoms. Yeah,
1: kind of. <laughs> and then they will- Currently, that is what punditry is, unfortunately. And then the Also, as a side note, about...
2: that's, that is a trend that I like fully believe does not exist. Oh, yeah. No, like, it's I. Like okay, maybe someone has once. done that, but people collectively are not doing that. No. Some kid may have no. done that, kids are not doing that. Well, it,
1: well, actually, there were reports of people going to the to the ER from food po- from poisoning as a result. So people were doing it. It's just well, chances are the first person who did it didn't actually do it. Yeah, like they said they were going to, and maybe faked that they did. Well, because there's a lot of ways cinematographically that you could fake doing that, and then a whole bunch of people followed suit, and 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 yeah. Well, I
0: th- <sighs> that ties back into what we're talking about because. That's become, and I noticed that there was a hundred percent talking point of, you see you dumb millennials who are on socialism, and you're all eating Tide Pods, ha ha ha. Like, it, you were allowed to, like, it it became a a club to beat people with, basically. So, like, that's the kind of thing that gets blown up because it's never mind
1: the fact that they don't even know when the end of millennials are because i have a suspicious feeling that most of the kids who (laughs) quote-unquote kids who were doing this probably weren't millennials and they were gen z right that too because anybody who's making youtube videos who are millennials chances are they're appealing to the gen z crowd because that's how it's worked right that's how youtube works but well in this case it was
0: (laughs) It was useful for them to turn that into an exaggeration and say, "Oh well, you guys think uh, you guys think we should uh, have universal health care? Well, you also eat Tide Pods, (laughs) ha ha ha! You guys who are younger, you know, like it became a so that trend got amplified because it was politically useful, useful, basically.
1: So pretty much. But just it's just kind of like, actually, if we did have universal health care and for whatever reason, a bunch of people ate Tide Pods by accident, they would be taken care of and wouldn't die of poisoning. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs)
3: Well,
0: I'm not going to defend
1: anyone who ate Tide Pods because that is pretty stupid, but... Oh yeah, no, I'm still not (laughs) going to defend people who ate Tide Pods. But if they ate Tide Pods, they should be able to go to the hospital and not have to spend ridiculous amounts of money just because of their own stupidity, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of ways to pay for your own stupidity. Death really shouldn't be one of them.
2: No, Uh, swallowing a Tide Pod is a really bad idea. I accidentally left one in my pocket from doing laundry before work.
3: Uh And I have a very physically. You need it.
2: I have a very fit. No, I have a very physically intensive job. (laughs) Thus, uh, perspiration and thus dampness is produced.
3: Which dissolved the
2: uh, pod part of the Uh, Tide Pod, and I actually got a pretty nasty chemical burn on my leg. Yeah, I'm not
1: surprised.
3: Well, okay.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you think it's just soap, but no, there's other well, stuff in there too. Con- well, it's a
2: concentrated yeah. detergent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, there you go. Well, it it's, well, that... it's not going to have bleach in it unless they say so, but yeah, uh... Well, because of
0: batting, I don't have to take your opinions on politics seriously because of That's that. That's fair. That one thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cuz you left the Tide pod in your pocket. Right.
0: <laughs> Oh, we've done it. We've established that come back in 20 years and we, you'll be ready to uh, to have political opinions at that point. Uh, mm. Exactly.
2: So, what are we so, at uh, time-wise? We uh, we're, got at, a,
0: we're only at about an hour and a half. We've got time for a Waluigi, if you've got a Waluigi. I don't
2: think. have a Waluigi. I do have a fluff one. Okay, let's see the fluff one. Uh, it's the other one that's in the thing.
1: It's the Power Rangers? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I There's These two.
0: Did I see that? Oh yeah, here it is. Okay.
1: <laughs> just a quick comment. Screw you, Hawkeye Pierce. The Korean War was great. <laughs> <sighs> oh, this is a click one. Yeah. This is a clicky one. There's generally not much
2: to it. It is literally just a clickbait slideshow. They're arguing that. um. Uh, what was it? Hey, Power Rangers had some stupid monsters. or some weird ones there, and...
1: (laughs) Well, a a lot of them are based on Japanese yokai, so there's that. And Japanese yokai get pretty fucking crazy. It's it's (laughs) also due
2: to the nature of uh, Power Rangers as a weird... Yeah. As a weird mix between uh, original property and adaptation. Mm Mm-hmm. Part of mm-hmm. the thing there is that a bunch of these creatures are actually from different series, which had right. their yeah. own motif and themes. Uh-huh. Like, the uh, original Mighty Morphin series was based on uh, Ranger, where the right. uh, villains actually had a mythological theme for making the monsters out of clay, Okay. And all of and like all of the actual Japanese names were named after the monster, so like the pig one they showed, that's actually a take on Cersei from Greek mythology.
3: Okay.
1: Interesting. Cersei
2: turn Apparently they turned a pig Apparently,
1: they've made a pop of that yeah. one. Yeah, <laughs> I mean
2: and also that's a ridiculous design, but that's also a good design. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly. immediately recognizable, it has a distinctive silhouette. And it is very mm-hmm. str- and it's like very strange and unique. Here's the thing: it's like I don't particularly hate nearly any of these that they've shown. The next one is basically a cyborg uh, turkey. Yep, which I believe was from one of the more comedic ones. The other one is just is literally just a dwarf. Which actually in the series it ca- that also came from Zoo Ranger, and it was actually a thing there that no, that isn't that's not actually a monster. That is an actual real like fairy tale elf dwarf thing. So he is supposed to look different than the other monsters. The they did one of the picture of the Frankenstein, but that's in its like more human disguise, where it's supposed to look like someone in a Halloween costume before it turns into its more monstrous one. Okay. And, and and what I'm getting with... Yeah, Power Rangers gets weird. Yeah, I can <laughs> With, like, a mind. bunch of these, there is, like, a reason for some of the odder ones, and it actually might have been an interesting article to go into. Hey, why are some of these things pretty fucking strange?
1: <laughs> artist mole? Why is it yeah, a mole? Yeah, why is there a... Because why not? Why <laughs> is like there is an
2: artist mold. mole? Why does, like, uh... Y- Art yeah. mole.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I like purse head. That's actually a good idea for a monster. Yeah. and <laughs> if
2: I remember, I think in that series all of the monsters were the type of yokai that are animated objects.
1: Ah, like I, which is a very common type of right. Yokai and too. I, I
2: specifically remember all the monsters definitely were yokai uh, centered. That's why the minions were tengu's. and um, why the actual villain of it that they incorporated it into being one of the henchmen was, uh, like, one of those giant skeletons that are made out of the bones of other skeletons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... But where I was getting at his word, it's clickbait, is because it's one of those things that, hey, there is actually a good seed of an interesting uh, story. Uh-huh. For, like, where to come up with, hey, why are these things so strange? But they really kind of, I guess, weren't interested in doing the research as why well. Is this just lazy? Yeah. Yeah,
1: no, it just seems it's... like... Because, like, all they do underneath <coughs> is just kind of re-recant what happens in the episode. It's the classic, it's the is, the classic okay, format. Okay, fine. And they only recant what happens in the English episode. They don't bring up how how it might have changed from the Japanese version if there was a Japanese version. So, mm-hmm. yeah... Yeah, which is kind of stupid. Let's be fair. Oh, we lost you, Adam. Yeah, Yad sorry,
0: and... i Sorry. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Um, no, it, this is the classic format that is clearly for maximal clickbait uh, power, where they literally just put a slideshow, and then there's like two sentences under each of them, and you have to click through yeah. like 20 times to see everything, so that gives the site maximum clicks, uh, which is always <laughs> very suspect. Well, sucks for them because I have adblock. <laughs> um. No, no, it's not adblock. It's that you clicked on the website x amount of times. Yeah, I know. Okay, so, they so say, yeah, I know. Yeah.
1: Like for
2: some example, and this is so much just to appealing to only me,
3: uh-huh. they uh-huh.
2: Um, bash a uh, uh, one monster that is a baseball monster called Babe Ruthless. <laughs> and it, yeah, I'm at yeah, that one. Yeah, but it. That is interesting- it would be actually interesting to talk about the- uh, it's not- it is baseball-themed, but it's actually supposed to be a pixie. Oh. And, yeah, and it- like, a pixie-slash-cupid, it had some sort of- in the original Japanese, it had a whole plot, and it had a different form that was cuter, and, like, more of, like, a kid in a baseball cap sort of way, and then took on to the monster- ...form with, like, the big hair and everything, so that's supposed to, like, actually invoke the idea of, like, a... ...like, the cute fairy turning into, like, a bogeyman or a bugbear?
1: Or an evil... uh, evil Yeah, an
2: evil version! Like, there's an actual kind of play on european mythology that went into it and i'm not exactly sure why it had the baseball mythos except baseball's really popular in japan <laughs> and it tied yeah
1: i was going to say did, did baseball's stupid popular yeah in and japan, it tied so... into
2: uh part of the story and it's also just thinking through there are honestly some weirder monsters i remember that i'm surprised didn't make it there's a monster that is literally just a turtle with a stop sign I'm sorry with a stoplight coming out of its back, but the whole premise of it is that the uh, comedy minions uh, made the monster using the the actual minion who's supposed to make monster ma- who's supposed to make the monsters. They broke into his workshop and used his tools without him knowing. and they oh, literally geez. just <laughs> threw a bunch of things into the monster making machine and this monster came out. So, it's oh, an God. intentionally <laughs> absurd comedy episode. Ah. So, that, that it, was a weird show. Yeah. Okay, Which well, I most of Toku is this weird bit of that it takes very silly premises and then kind of, to various of degrees, treats it seriously. Yeah. Which I'm generalizing because there then also have been uh Super Sentai entire series or seasons that have been them making fun of themselves. <laughs> Which yeah. is also why there's some very strange looking monsters in Power Rangers because some of them actually come from series that were making fun of the source material from Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things where they bought like three or four different shows and mashed them all mashed the footage together and recorded new stuff with uh with Americans, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah, because I think we have more footage because we asked them to make more because it was popular enough, and they had gone through all of the existing footage that was there. Yeah, before <laughs> so they, they the Jap-
2: fully shifted over to new footage, they actually commissioned effectively all new footage.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: There, so there's, kind- so there are bizarrely some. Sp- if I recall correctly, never actually aired, but from some things that we can tell, fully filmed and actually written full episodes of Zoo Ranger that don't fit into Zoo Ranger properly because they were written solely for the sake of being cannibalized for Power Rangers.
0: Okay. Well, uh, okay then. Well, I guess it did well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there were like six or seven of those shows. This is... All going way over my head. Like, I I, I think I was a little too old for Power Rangers when it came out and thought it was kind of dumb. Yeah, I, I
1: think Saban had, a, had like, a theory in the early 90s about taking Japanese shows yeah. and, and adapting them for the American audience, so they definitely tried it for, with quite a few things. I think the only other thing that really worked was Beetleborgs. Was that a Saban property? I think so, yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that was the only other show that I can think of that, like, kind of was anything remotely as successful as Power Rangers. Because I remember VR Troopers. That was just a boring show. (laughs) Like, I watched it, but it wasn't a particularly interesting show.
2: (laughs) I mean, it's also worth pointing out for some talking of it that I think this is a 20-year anniversary Of the franchise still going on. Yeah, and that means that it's like a fucking 40-year anniversary for (laughs) Super Sentai in its
1: case. Because I I know the the Pirate Sentai Power Rangers 1, whatever it was called. Um, That one was specifically made to celebrate an anniversary because they were able to uh, hone on previous powers. Yeah, that was (laughs) uh,
2: Super Sentai's anniversary.
1: Yeah, that one... Yeah, so that one, I know, was specifically made the way it was because it was celebrating an anniversary. Yeah. And that one was the last one, I think? Because there's a- another one that's different now, I no, think, No, they're, they're still making it. Oh, I know there's... Oh, they're still yep. making that one? Oh, okay, no, then. There,
2: there's, like, I think, two other series beyond, past that now.
1: <sighs> oh, my gosh.
2: Like I was saying, if they keep adapting it, I think the next Sentai one, it actually has... <sighs> two teams and it is of the theme of, like, basically uh, like thieves, like, Lupine Arsene type uh, gentleman thieves versus, like, uh, policemen Power Rangers.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: Such a bizarre show, man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. (laughs) I'm
0: glad I didn't waste my time on that. Now, let me tell you a bit more about Carl Barks, and uh, the
3: uh, <laughs> the
0: that's Carl Barks, not Carl Marks. Uh, although you yes, can yes, say you can do it about the uh, either one. Um, hmm.
1: Yes,
0: let me tell you about my e- all the Ewoks comics I have from the <laughs> mid nineties.
1: <laughs> oh my God! Which I do have, anyway.
0: Um, uh, yes, the brief period when Marvel was releasing Ewoks themed comics. Uh, and Alf comics. I have Alf comics to show you.
1: I didn't know they made Alf. <laughs> they comics. made
0: Marvel had Alf, Alf had the Alf license. Remember when Alf had a cartoon show about his life back on Melmac? I
2: cannot uh, I cannot condone Alf. He is an elite. He does not respect our cultural values, and he is in he- and he is incredibly ungrateful to the family that sponsors him as a refugee.
1: Yes. And apparently, one of the the actor who played the dad really hated that puppet. Yes,
0: there was, there was <laughs> much discussion because aren't they rebooting Alf, uh, or something? I think
1: there's talks of rebooting Alf. Yeah, yeah.
0: and and it was <sighs> much talk about how everyone on the set. And then of course, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Permanent Midnight, it's by um, a comedy writer. Uh, like it was about his struggle with. It was it was starred Ben Stiller it was based on the memoir of this guy who was a comedy writer and he he wrote for Alf they couldn't say Alf on the movie they they didn't have the rights so they they made uh. a different show but it's clearly Alf it's a it's a sitcom with a puppet and uh, okay and he was like anyway. <laughs> But he oh he turned to drugs because it was also horrible. No, I, I I exaggerate. He already had a problem with drugs before he started writing the show. But still, <laughs> it was a sense of what am I doing with my life? I'm writing a damn puppet show. So no nobody was happy to be doing Alf, which is hilarious because if it which is very
2: weird because elf... then it's our generation. Oh, what am I doing with my life? I should be writing my puppet show by
3: now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no exactly. one would flinch
2: at writing a puppet
0: show nowadays. People would eagerly oh, yeah, sign no. up to be. Part of the Alf reboot right now. Did not they? Wasn't Alf one of those shows like Blake Seven where it ends on a horrible cliffhanger and yes, intentional? It just got canceled, and they were like he was oh getting dragged away. It to ends with
3: fly.
2: Alf being taken away to be vivisected.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Which is never oh not funny god. to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But then,
0: but then, if I'm not mistaken, they did. They a few years later, they did do a TV movie uh, to resolve it a bit, and it was about Alf being kept at the government lab, and it was his wacky shenanigans at the government lab instead of with the Uh. the family. So, Uh. and I remember seeing that, catching that, like, coming across it on TV, and it was, like, more slickly produced. They'd obviously put... Like, it looked like a, a TV movie instead of a, a, a sitcom, like a three camera sitcom. Okay. And it was like, but it was Alf okay. hanging around with like government employees and being wacky. And everyone was like, oh, Alf, you're messing up our secret government installation. I'm like, that's actually
2: a better idea for a show than the
0: actual Alf show to me. Oh, <laughs> Alf, like, you yeah. gave
2: our nuclear secrets to the Russians.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> 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 where, where, where? Okay, if the Alf <laughs>
2: reboot is that. And it stars. Fuck, I blanked on his name. G- give me a minute. I don't know. No problem. The guy played Alf, or are you talking about no- someone else? Uh, bu- 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 and if it stars Nick Offerman okay. as the government agent in charge of keeping an <laughs> eye on Alf, <laughs> uh-huh. this oh, will be an absolute uh, genius show.
0: Yeah, that that sounds like a very entertaining show. I'd be down for that. Now now I kind of want to seek out this uh, 90s Alf TV movie and see if it's uh, see if it holds up which I'm s- gonna say spoiler alert that it doesn't because it's Alf yeah I'm gonna say yeah I'm
1: gonna say it probably <laughs> I just want to see it's Nick
2: either... Offerman it's, pulling it's... a gun on Alf okay what? <laughs> why are you dragging <laughs> Nick Offerman into this what has he ever done to you because I, was, think I think the it the would only be <laughs> very funny to any... see the only way I can imagine Alf being funny is if Nick Offerman is opposite him. <laughs> He's like the one actor I can
0: imagine not wanting to be involved with Alf nowadays. Yeah, which would make I think it funnier, the only way any,
1: I think the only way anything anything Alf related is going to be worth it is if it's so bad it's good. Like one of those situations. I don't know. Like
0: maybe
2: maybe they, what, what if it's you know just was... like body horror, like it's a live action Invader <laughs> Zen thing. You know, and it goes yeah. through things that like people have, that like. Like, this first episode deals with the fact that Elf has been laying eggs inside people's chests while they're sleeping, and there's all (laughs) these Elf chestbursters running around, and it's still treated (laughs) as a comedy, but it's shot like fucking Alien. (laughs) (laughs) I kill you!
3: Uh,
2: Anyway, because I'm Elf.
0: <laughs> On that note, I think we've, I think we're, I think we've, we're done for the day. Just
2: the Sigourney Weaver from Alien Three facial thing, but it's Alf's nose poking her <laughs> rather than the alien mouth. <laughs> oh
1: no! Stop, please! Oh, you're, you're right. giving them ideas for promos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this podcast has five viewers. One of them's a Hollywood producer, and he's going to clearly. <laughs> He's going to run off and steal that idea.
2: Anyway. Yes, Spearhawk,
1: uh, (laughs)
0: I
2: do remember Alf, and he's back in Pog form.
0: Yes, of course.
2: (laughs) Well, at this point, an Alf
0: reboot will have to mention the Pogs at this point, because that's like the main way people remember Alf (laughs) after a couple decades, is the, the Pog joke on The Simpsons. Anyway, but I will stand... I will, I will uh, defend the ALF comic from my youth. It was actually somewhat clever uh, because they had an unlimited budget and they could actually do comic book, weird sci-fi things. And the cartoon hmm. was kind of fun because it was an alien sitcom. It was actually set on Melmac and it was his family and all that stuff. Um, but I, again, I was like eight years old when it came on. So uh, <laughs> my memories may be me tainted, of course.
1: Like, I am aware of Alf, but I've never really watched it. Yeah. so well, you're there's you're that. really
0: missing a huge cultural uh, contribution by Oh,
1: I'm sure that. I am. I, mean, <laughs>
0: it, I, I can't remember who, it was, but it was it also is interesting that every like decade or generation or whatever has its alien on Earth sitcom. Like, there was My Favorite Martian in the 50s, and then there was uh, and Mark, Mark and Mindy, Mindy, and then there was Third Rock from the Sun in the 90s. So it's like, it is... Yeah. And, and the thing is, I don't know if it's ever been done right. Like, I would do that... If, if you gave me that show, I would do it, and it would be, like, semi-serious sci-fi. <laughs> But it, would it also... depends
1: on what you mean by "done right," because all of those shows are very clearly meant to be comedies. No, I'm not,
0: it like... would still be a comedy, but it would be like I would delve into like the alien culture, and it would like try to actually like. Analyze why are these aliens on Earth and what are they actually there for? To like in relation right. to our culture, I, I think in, in Third Earth from the Sun* they're supposed to be archae- like anthropologists or yes. something, but from another planet. Yeah, I, but they never really get into that much, right? Like they don't really. No, that's in, a uh, bit. Saw, no,
2: that's a big thing.
0: It isn't? Yeah, like, it? Yeah, whenever I watch the show, I was like, "What are they doing? They're just hanging around on Earth, not really it, doing anything." I
2: mean, there are there that's are like, like full episodes that are under the idea that they're going to do something specifically to study this aspect of humans. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. I think it loses that as the series yeah. goes on as they get more and more integrated into earth's society. Yeah, but yeah. in the
2: beginning that was basically why they go off and do things with humans, thus driving the plots. Yeah. Thing. Anyway, well yeah. I would ramp up the sci-fi elements anyway. Yeah. But I do think I do think you could actually do
0: that's the thing. You could actually as we were talking about with like Galaxy Quest if you have an alien culture meeting a, another culture, there is actually huge potential for comedy, even if you're playing it as, like, real science fiction. It can still be extremely funny because of just the mm-hmm. cultural clash. Um, would be there, right?
2: Okay, I have to share uh, a joke bit my wife and I did because we wound okay. up talking oh. about the Voyager gold uh, records, the gold okay. discs. Right, And yes, the, my wife said that people. because we sent the naked people there, we basically sent out, like, dick pics <laughs> to aliens. <laughs> and I said, okay, <laughs> now here's the image there. of You You get it all just in silhouetted of these vague shadowy farbs and just a guy rushing into the lab. Globdor! Globdor! You gotta check this out! And slamming the disc down there and the other alien leaning over. Oh my god. I know, right? And then it pans out. And we see that these aliens look basically like giant uh, penis slugs, but they have, like, what looks like a human body dangling down. That's their <laughs> genitalia. They said.
1: Oh, my God.
2: <laughs> they're giant dicks with with people with people's hanging off of them. Oh, my God. We got go <laughs> oh to go to this God. planet. Set course for planet dick world. And then it just shows Earth. And it says planet Earth. And then in parentheses, planet dick world. Planet dick world
1: oh my god
0: Uh exactly well and are these friendly aliens is this going to be a benevolent cultural uh yeah
2: we've kind of more written them as kind of like broey
3: yeah but like so
1: that's good like like, they kind of sound like they're bros
2: endearing chris hemsworth way okay
0: dude okay
1: i can see what you mean cancer
2: let's
0: let's let's share our junk with each other
2: yeah, like they're literally yeah. coming to
0: Earth because we're because
2: the gold because the whole Voyager thing made Earth sound hilarious, <laughs> and they are there at just like in constant like absolutely that's this planet fucking rules at everything there. It,
0: everyone's a dick. Like somehow every in everyone's a, good yeah, a dick.
2: Like Earth is just the funniest fucking planet to them. Oh my god. We'll take. He's like, "Do you
0: have, Did you bring a cure for all known diseases?" Yes. Okay. Fine. We'll put up with your laughter and mockery.
2: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right. We'll find and put up with the fact that we're now known to the rest of the galaxy as Planet Dick World. <laughs> yep. Yep.
0: It's worth it. Whatever. Hey, look.
2: I mean, Japan isn't what Japan calls itself. You don't get to pick your name to the international
3: community. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah
0: planet stupid anyway planet, well from planet stupid I think it's time for us to bid goodnight um you know all the best to any aliens who may be listening out there whose junk happens to perfectly resemble us, Uh, and uh, (laughs) I'll, uh, (coughs) we'll see you all next week with more scrapings of the web's uh, inner surfaces, and from all of us here, have a good night
2: Good night! Bye!